When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following, the following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN. Your home for K State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. You know, I realize. If you've been listening to the show for a long time, you've been listening to me, maybe you've, ne- but you've never met me. You probably think of me as like a, I come across as a real tough guy, right? Like I never cry, I don't show my emotions very often, which my girlfriend Lindsay would absolutely agree with you on that. But stone faced would never consider me as a softy. Well, guys, I'm here to tell you, I do have a soft side. And I just showed it moments ago because K-State football has tweeted out a couple of pictures. It really hit me in the feelings. It didn't it didn't hate, hit me. It was a haymaker to the feelings. Okay. Um you know, going back to uh people think I'm a tough guy. You know, if if I was a if I was a movie villain, I might be like Ivan Drago from Rocky <laughs> Four. That kind of tough. <laughs> no, that's not really the case. K-State football put out these two pictures, and it's from Hang With Tang. They filmed another episode earlier today. Right, out on the quad. Yeah, outside. Beautiful day out. We've had a great week of weather. And who shows up? Actually, a couple of celebrities showed up. Richard Linton, president of the United States of Kansas State. And then your quarterback, Will Howard. And the second photo, first of all, the first photo is like, all right, these two are buds. They just had a great conversation. I hope Will asked a good question. No softballs from Will Howard. He hit a hard-hitting question. I thought there's no better one when a some young gentleman went up to Tang and, and asked Coach if he could ask out his daughter. Right. I was like, first of all, the ball's on that guy. Second, I feel like that's kind of amateur hour. You don't ask the dad. It's not like you're asking her hand in marriage. Yes, you would ask the dad then. Anyway. So Tang is wearing like this black thin hoodie with the, you know, I think it's called Cocaine Willie. And Emol, it's in purple. It's a black. I need the hoodie. Um, And then Will Howard is wearing a Kobe Savage shirt. And it feels like a real throwback looking shirt. But of course, it's very new. It's a sick shirt. It really is. The second photos I swipe on my phone here are the two hugging, and I was like, "Man, what a what a such symbolism for where we're at right now." Perfect example of where K State Athletics is at right now. So much happiness, and man, if there's anybody that promotes happiness more than anybody, Jerome Tang. And then I thought, you know, when when would have been the last time? A K-State quarterback hugged the basketball coach. Because I highly doubt Bruce Weber was out there (laughs) hugging 
Jesse Ertz, <laughs> Joe Hubner, Skylar Thompson, Alex Delton. I don't think they ever shared a hug. Probably not, no. I mean, is Frank Martin wrapping his arms around Grant Gregory? No. <laughs> Probably not. Oh, my. Jim Woldridge and L. Roberson. Did they share a moment? Yeah, that doesn't no doesn't no. strike me as likely. No. But no. this this that's a good moment. That's a really good moment. Hey guys, coming up on today's show, going to hear from Van Malone at a press conference earlier today, and uh, we're also going to hear from Keegan Johnson, wide receiver from K State. You know, while we had him, I I had to ask him about the Kinnick wave since he was at Iowa. I know he's trying to put that behind him. But I had to ask about the Kinnick Wave, but also him just getting used to K-State football, being ingrained in the operation this spring with the Cats. Also coming up, Big 12 Mexico and a concert tour on the way. And I kind of brought it up to some media guys earlier today. They kind of just like, eh, it's whatever. I think it's a bigger deal than that. I'm really interested to see how that unfolds. Today is Wednesday. It's Wednesday. And you know what that means. AEW Dynamite tonight from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the home of the Milwaukee Panthers. And guys, MJF is going to be there. The international championship is on the line. Orange Cassidy, freshly squeezed, is going one-on-one with Buddy Matthews, the acrobat from the House of Black, plus the Elite. We'll be there. There's going to be a whole lot going on, guys. There's multiple title matches. You want to tune in. TBS tonight is 7 o'clock. Same time as Survivor. I'll have to tape one of them. But, of course, that also means we're joined by Derek Young from KCN Online. D.Y., are you much of a hugger? Uh, Interesting question. I think so. I don't know. (laughs) Probably pretty indifferent. Uh, Let's see. If Coach Kleiman... Instead of went going for a handshake, instead went for a hug. Would you just fully embrace it? Be, you'd be surprised, but you're fully on board to embrace it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really decline them, especially in that situation. I would be pretty stunned because Chris Gleiman doesn't uh, strike me as the type of guy that would uh, hug me. Well, who do you think has the better hug, Gleiman or Tang? I would say Tang. I think that uh, everything comes a little everything is just so natural for him I, I think he's just one of those guys that or one of those people in the world that's typically pretty gifted at everything really i gotta go you know i was thinking first like you know climbing he has more kids so he may have more reps with the hug you know he's got it down yeah but you're right i think tang is just that much more comfortable yeah being around you know just embracing that kind of uh uh sharing those kind of emotions with uh, the people he knows and uh, also the players. Uh, speaking of basketball, let, let's get into some recruiting talk here. Um, so, as far as we know, and I'm sure you you know way more than I do that there is there's no like visits scheduled yet. However, um, you know we, we've heard if you pay attention to Twitter and those tweeting out like the list of teams that are in on some guys that K State has been involved with a number of guys, but. We also found out this past weekend, K-State lost out on Traymond Mark and LJ Cryer. I'm sure the Cryer one, 
you know, they had some interest there. There weren't really much. There wasn't much interest though in Mark, right? They transferred from Houston. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, there was. Uh, they were not necessarily involved on that front. That's what I thought. M- meanwhile. L.J. Cryer, do you think – I think K-State fans – there was a there was a group of fans, at least what I got from social media, that was disappointed by that. And I don't know if there was a whole lot of criticism, but it was just kind of a, you know, a very short meltdown because there was that connection, right? Baylor, Drum Tang coached him for a little while. Um, but is that – it's more of just like a stub toe, right? Because the transfer portal is so wild. Guys are going to come in every day, and there's going to be more opportunities. Yeah, they have plenty of really good options still available, some that are even ranked higher than L.J. Cryer on some of the transfer portal rankings that have been released, such as, you know, Aaron Estrada from Hofstra, Max Asmus from Oral Roberts. And, you know – there's not going to be one team even in the transfer portal that bats 100% or bats 1,000, whatever, however way you want to you want to phrase it. So, you, you know, they've only lost one guy that they really wanted at this point. So how cranked up right now do you feel that the pursuit is to, if, if you look at, if you, you know, everybody kind of has their own power ranking. I know I have mine uh, with Max Asmus from Oral Roberts, Aaron Estrada, who you just mentioned from Hofstra. It, and there, I mean, there are more guards that have popped up, right? Uh, I mean, Matthew Cleveland from Florida State has just entered not too long ago. And, uh, you know, it's been tweeted out there that K-State has some interest there. Uh, and then uh, Tyler Perry from North Texas, who I brought it up with Mason yesterday, uh, is certainly one that you wouldn't mind having either. But Asmus, Estrada, probably one and two right now. You know, Tyler Perry's probably on that same level. I, I would say that <clears throat> they're really chasing all three of those guards. Max Aismith from Moore Roberts, Aaron Estrada from Hofstra, and Tyler Perry from North Texas. If you could have your choice of the two of the four guards that were just mentioned, would it be Aismith and Estrada? Uh, man, that's a, yeah, I think so. That combination is pretty solid um but again I, I think there's a scenario where if the opportunity presented itself i think kansas state would gladly take all three as well yeah yeah absolutely i, I would have to agree with that meanwhile with the bigs um feels like the traction there is moving a little bit slow actually let's speak of traction go back to ace miss this just popped in my mind is his does it feel like to you his process right now after jumping in the portal has been really slow and really quiet? It's at least been quiet. I don't know that we can say slow, even though it's coming off that way, just because we're not necessarily in the room to make to be able to discern that. Um, that's why I would phrase it that way. But it's certainly been quiet, a little bit more muffled. But something tells me that, that that's probably going to pick up in the very new, near future as well. Okay, so then move on to the bigs. You know, a couple of six eleven guys have caught of our our attention recently. Uh, Caden Shedrick from Virginia. Uh, it's been tweeted out there that he has K State in his you know top five. But meanwhile, just recently jumping into the portal was Jesse Edwards, who Troy here knows actually <laughs> knows his family, and he's a transfer from Syracuse. He's Edwards is from the Netherlands, right? 
also yeah. has more experience. He has been a starter. He's played over 90 games. And he's scoring 14 points, 10 rebounds a game. Priority has to come into play there, right, you think? Because you got one spot to fill downstairs. Do you, I mean, if you're the coach, right, do you put Caden Shedrick on the back burner and you really focus on, on Jesse Edwards? I think that I would. But, again, I don't know if beggars can be choosers, so to speak. And Caden Shedrick has got a pretty high ceiling as well. I think you would happily take both. Or, or not take both, but you would happily take either one. Um, I'm not sure you're turning down Shedrick because of Edwards. Um, I just don't know that you can go to that route and then potentially risk yourself not getting Shedrick. But to the point that you were making, I, I would value and, and rank Jesse Edwards higher than Shedrick myself. It's one of those spots to be in that makes it tough when you're recruiting because you don't want to jump and take Shedrick if Edwards hasn't made a decision yet, yet you don't want to wait on an Edwards decision that may not go your way and have Shedrick basically go elsewhere. That's exactly it. And they're probably not going to be forced into that pickle the way that I see it, because I believe he's Shedrick's already visited Duke. I think his next two trips are going to be tech, to Texas and to Missouri. Um, of course, he could just make his decision after those trips as well. But it, but it sounds like he also wants to see K-State. He also wants to see Xavier. So I just don't know that he's really operating on a timeline that really puts you in a pickle anyways. We're speaking with Derek Young from K-State Online. We have him for one more segment. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit of K-State football, uh, including, um, you know, I want to talk a little bit about K-State's commit for 2024 at quarterback and Blake Barnett up next on The Game. Back on the game, phone number is 537-1350. We'll open up the phone numbers, phone number to the phone lines in hour number two. Hopefully we'll be able to squeeze in some calls. If you want to give us a, a ring, ask us a question about the Cats. We continue on with Derek Young from uh, K-State Online. He was at the press conference earlier today with Van Malone. We spoke about 30 minutes with uh, the media. I was there as well, plus some players in there as well. Got to speak with Keegan Johnson earlier today. Really enjoyed him. He's a real grounded guy, real smart kid. I think he's going to be a great wide receiver for K-State. Meanwhile, Phillip Brooks, he's the old man. R.J. Garcia, who showed some flashes last year and had a great touchdown catch in the Big 12 championship game. That's where I want to go next, D.Y. How confident do you feel right now in the wide receiver room when it comes to who's been kind of laid out as the starters and then adding on with, you know, maybe some questions about where the depth is right now. You know, I feel good about it, feel good about it or a few of them. I, I think it's still a little bit of a work in progress, at least in my mind where some, some of the things you're going to, I got to see to believe, right. Um, a, a lot unproven, because you you have Philip Brooks, who is incredibly proven and will be reliable and someone that Will Howard can trust in probably certain situations that'll be pretty valuable to the Kansas State quarterback. And I think Keegan Johnson is primed for a fantastic season. I think he's going to be an incredible receiver for the Wildcats. And and I, I 
we interviewed Keegan in February, you know, it's before even spring football began. And then we interviewed him today and it was a night and day difference to me. I could tell that he was much more comfortable in his own skin. Um, just, he really had settled into Kansas state. And I think everything has slowed down for me. He's a greater understanding of how everything works and what is going to be asked of him. He's been raved about from coaches that typically don't rave about guys. So I think, Keegan Johnson's going to be fantastic. I think Philip Brooks is going to be reliable and, and trustworthy as he has for most of his career in Manhattan. It's the rest that you are interested to see unfold. Who becomes that third guy is is a pretty interesting question in my mind. I know that some of the front runners, so to speak, have been Jaden Jackson, who was hurt some of the last year came on late, but then they decided to preserve his red shirt. He was banged up again in the spring, so it's a guy that's kind of makes you wince a little bit, uh, a little injury-prone so far. The same could be said for R.J. Garcia, who at times has been um, hoppled by injuries. I think that was part of his situation a year ago, and and he's going to have to add some weight and, and strength and, and build up that, that frame so he's a little bit more durable. So durability is a little bit of a a question mark in my opinion, but RJ Garcia was someone that was mentioned by Van Malone today. And, and so is Xavier Lloyd. That's a, uh, I think it's a walk-on receiver technically, but he's someone that had his scholarship paid for by NIL. I believe one of those three or four players that did it. And he's starting to be a guy. He was in the second group last year, actually, but he's starting to be a guy that, that is mentioned more and more by his peers and his coaches. Oh, on the defensive side of the football, you know, kind of the same same deal there, where you, you got you have a pretty good idea, except for a couple of positions, right? You you have a pretty good idea of who's going to be the starters. Uh, you know, obviously corner is up for grabs, but you kind of have an idea on who will be like the day one starters. Same linebackers up for grabs. Uh, the uh, nose guard is up for grabs, but so many guys get shout outs right during these press conferences on, on who's looking good, who may be standing out to build some of that depth. Has any of the coaches persuaded you and convinced you that, all right, I've heard this name so many times. I can't wait to see him actually play in person. Yeah. I mean, and we've seen some of them, even if it is sparingly too, right? Cause one of my answers would be, I think Uso is probably going to be your number one at nose guard. And we've seen a little bit of him. I think Jacob Parrish is going to be one of the starting corners. And we've seen a little bit of him as well. Sam Linebacker is probably up for grabs. And like I, I don't know if I would pick someone between Toby Osinsami, Jake Clifton, um, Desmond Purnell. I think that's a pretty even battle at the moment. Uh, the safeties, I think Marquis Seigel's probably one of the safeties this year. I really do. He's the transfer from North Dakota State. And Kobe Savage will be when he gets back. And the other one, probably VJ Payne. Like, the, like you do start to hear names often enough where um, you, you have some that are etched into your brain. So it's safety, Marquis Seigel and VJ Payne makes sense to me. At corner, Jacob Parrish makes sense to me. And at nose guard, Usos. I think it's Sam Allo. It makes sense to me. I'm going to also shout out uh, Chidi Obi-Izor. First of all, I think I heard his name pronounced four different times uh, at today's press conference, but I, I like that he has the opportunity so early in his career to 
step up and you know be a contributor at the defensive end position where you know, you feel like there's probably one true open spot on the two deep. Do you feel that way too? Yeah, he's going to have a, a shot, but and he's playing the DM position now, but he, he's not going to be ahead of Khalid Duke. He's not going right. to be ahead of Brendan Mott, and he's not going to be ahead of name Matt Lack. So he's kind of battling in for that fourth spot. So I don't think he's someone that's ever going to push for a starting job in year one, but he may have a chance to slide into the rotation um, if he can become that fourth guy. Maybe there's a fifth guy in the rotation, but – the rotation's usually about four, so um, that fourth one is probably the one that he's contending for. Speaking with Derek Young from K-State Online, so I had uh, seen earlier this week a uh, three-star quarterback who was committed for the class of 2024 for K-State. He's out of Colorado in Blake Barnett, very talented kid, very high numbers last year as a junior, throwing the football around over 3,500 yards. I, I've noticed that he's been receiving a lot more interest from some, you know, Power Five programs, Big Ten, Pac-12 folks uh, are catching on to this guy, even though he's committed. They're still getting after him. Should we have a any worry at all? Because I know, I believe, Casey Online has talked to him, right? Uh, has talked to yeah, Barnett. Yeah, yeah, we've talked to him on a few different times in the past month or two. Um, a guy that is seeing his stock rise a little bit more. He, he's certainly becoming a more well-known prospect. But I just, though other teams are reaching out to him, I just, I haven't sensed anything that would make me believe that he is um, reconsidering his thoughts. I mean, he just visited K-State last weekend. So I, I just think he's still pretty locked in. All right, to wrap up here, um talked about this at the beginning of the show and I'll get more into it in the second hour but you know Brett Yormark commissioner of the Big 12 had been on a couple of podcasts this past week and I I don't know if I'd just been missing the reports and I wasn't paying attention but had mentioned like he's going to Mexico he wants to establish what he would call Big 12 Mexico I mean there's not going to be teams transferring from Mexico but what that could mean is maybe playing a game down there and maybe making it a yearly thing um if K-State played a game in Mexico, who do you think the opponent should be? Uh, I guess you probably need to pick a team that's uh, widely known, right? Because you're talking about a Big 12 opponent, so like a popular Big 12 opponent. Probably the one closest to Mexico play Houston, I would imagine. I mean, I, I don't think I'd move Farmageddon down to Mexico. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're onto something there. Maybe the direction I would go with is maybe not a rivalry, maybe not an opponent that K State fans feel like, oh, we got to have that at home so we can make a hell of a lot of noise. Come on, it makes perfect sense. Texas Tech for throwing mm. the tortillas. Mm. The thing is, though, like tortillas is more of a Tex Mex thing. Not oh, a, okay. Like in Mexico, I don't know. I heard that one. That, that tortillas isn't exactly like an authentic Mexican food item. Gotcha. Okay. But I hear what you're saying. I'll slink back over here to my corner. <laughs> but a game in Mexico City, I mean, that's not Dublin, Ireland. No. Do you, do you get a lot of excitement behind that, hearing that, D.Y., that there could be games played in Mexico? I mean, it's a good reason to go somewhere warm, so I'm always supportive of that. But, I mean, what if they try to play these games in September or something? Oof. Uh, I mean, 
Yeah, there's a reason why the NFL waits until like early November for that game. And I don't know, like it's not Cancun, right? It's they play in Mexico City, probably mm-hmm. the most polluted city in America, in North or, America, or in North or in the world, really. I don't know. Uh, Shanghai's not too far behind. Beijing, I remember, definitely. I remember reading a Guinness World Record book in like junior high that said Mexico City was the most polluted city uh, right. in the world. But anyway, all right, D.Y., I'll let you go. Really appreciate your time. Hope to talk to you next week. All right, see you then. It's Derek Young from K-State Online. When we come back, we'll continue on with K-State football talk. Uh, we're going to hear the media interview from earlier today with K-State wide receiver Keegan Johnson next on the game. Back to the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Travion Berkland is here. He walked in with a, a, he had a couple of boxes laying on the table. He said he had some packages waiting for him when he got home, but he didn't want to leave them there. Travion, I'm really curious to know what was in the boxes because you, I see you opened them. Yeah, uh, a GoPro and some ACDC CDs. Interesting pairing. <laughs> it kind of left me speechless. <laughs> Now we know why he's been working overnight. So he got the GoPro. Are these two things in any way related? No. So which okay, so which uh ACDC CDs did you get? All the ones that I don't have. I've only had um High Voltage, Razor's Edge, Highway to Hell and Back in Black. So these are some of the other ones like Fly on the Wall, Flick of the Switch. Okay. Dirty those deeds. about the rocks. Yep. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. So, but did, did you have? Uh, did you get the the newer ones? The last couple that come that came out this last decade? No. I think the newest one I think is uh, Stiff Upper Lip oh, from two thousand. Yeah. I remember. Uh, what was it? Runaway Train. I think that was a song. It came out like felt like. Gosh, it feels like now ten years ago. Because I, actually, I think it was longer than that because I was playing it on the college radio station. And I actually listened to the album. It really wasn't that bad. When these older bands start releasing albums way past their prime, and it's in a part of their careers where when people see them in concert, they just want to hear the hits, rarely do they put out music that people love. I didn't think it was that bad. And like Ozzy, the, the recent music Ozzy's been putting out, I think it's pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One best rock album this year. I mean, it's not Crazy Train. You know, it's not War Pigs. It's not going to be all-time classics. I mean, there's only so much you can do when Ozzy's in his 70s. Right. It, it's impressive. It, clearly, they're pumping in a lot of, it's not exactly auto-tune, but some processing to make Ozzy still sound like the real Ozzy, prime Ozzy. There's definitely still some auto-tune thrown in there. I don't think there's a new rock album from one of these heritage guys that well, is sure. a little auto-tune. I mean, Getty Lee from Rush, his voice, you know, he couldn't hit the high notes anymore. And it had been that way for a while. But they would still put out new music, and obviously, you know, they would tune down 
a little bit when it comes to the high notes. They they didn't throw as many high notes in the music for him, right? But you can know there was some processing in the voice, which to me just makes it sound horrible. Though, like if you listen uh, to the like the last two Kiss albums, because Paul Stanley oh, can't really sing anymore, like it's it's brutal the the amount of processing they put on his voice and stuff. I I did hear like a uh, a clip of a Kiss concert earlier this year. I didn't think he sounded too bad. It was on Love Gun. Right. I, th- I thought it was all right. Well, this current tour, he's been he's had some help, let's say, <laughs> too. Um, yeah, anyways. I worry that if I go see these older bands, am I now listening to them half-ass it? If you know what I mean. Like, are some of the tracks synced up? Are they not playing their instruments? It's becoming no. more of a conversation with a lot of bands, a lot of big bands. Well, and you brought it, I think it was last week you brought it up, you know, Motley Crue. Right. I think Mick Mars has been accusing some of the guys of right. not playing their instruments, especially with uh, Nikki Six. Listen, right. at a point, though, all of these older bands have an advantage for some of us that are, you know, not that far behind in their age. We're listening at half asset. Some of our hearing's not quite what it used to be either. Right. <laughs> hey, listen, I don't care. I don't care how old I get. If it's rock and roll, I'm going to crank it up. Oh, my. Speaking of, I've blown out did you speakers. wear that shirt on purpose, Troy, because of the new Electric Mayhem show that's coming out? No, I did not. Okay. <laughs> no, I did not. But I do. I came across a whole on uh, Twitter thread today that outlines kind of the lore of all of the... Uh, uh, members of the band. Oh, okay. That's cool. So I'm interested in digging into that, but uh, Frank Oz's comments on what animal really is uh, are, are so on point. Um, <laughs> you know, essentially, it, essentially everything that makes a drummer pain <laughs> predominantly. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, you guys want to hear from Keegan Johnson? I thought he had a pretty good interview. I was in on it earlier today. He is now a new wide receiver from K-State, transfers in from Iowa after a couple of years of Iowa. Injured most of last year, but 2021 played in 13 games, had over 350 yards receiving, a couple of touchdowns, showed some flashes of being really athletic, go out there and make some plays as a true freshman. Now he comes into K-State as he's listed as a sophomore, uh, but he's played two years at Iowa. He's no doubt about, it, in my opinion, going to be a starter. I mean, he might be the best wide receiver we see out there. You know, Phillip Brooks is going to carry the torch for the wide receivers heading into this next season. When it comes to the upside, athleticism, you know, Phillip Brooks is going to be a hell of a kick and punt returner for the Cats next year. He is a bit older. Keegan Johnson, like Phillip, has an opportunity to be major impact guy, become a superstar. And he spoke to the media earlier today. How far have you kind of come along your understanding of the offense? Yeah. I think I made great strides. Uh, I can tell the difference every practice. Uh, just kind of more comfortable with my game. Um, I feel like when you know what you're doing and schematically what you know the plan is, you can play so much faster. I think each practice I've been able to play that much faster. Just getting a better understanding of, you know, what's going on, plays, um, schematics, what we're trying to get accomplished. So, yeah. Is the stark contrast between the offense at Iowa and here kind of a hurdle in the beginning? Um, yeah, I think um, so. This spring we've been trying to really speed things up, and I think um, as a wide receiver, um, 
being in a no huddle offense, um, it's different. You run a play and then you have to run sprint back and do it again. So um, it's, it was a little hurdle, just kind of more getting in shape, honestly, more than anything. But I think, as I mentioned earlier, every practice I feel like it's become a little bit easier. And, um, you know, I love what we're doing from an offensive standpoint. And what's the comfort like with Will Howard at this point? And what's your just thoughts of him after about 12 practices? Yeah, uh, I, I have no no bad things to say about Will. I mean, he makes, as a, as a receiver, he makes our jobs, you know, a lot easier on us. Uh, super accurate. Um, great when I have a question. Um, just, you know, super helpful. Uh, just commands the offense. Uh, and it's just, it makes it easier when you have a leader like that on your offense because it gives us all that much more confidence. So. Now that you've been in this offense for a couple months, what do you think it's capable of next season? A lot. Um, I think we have a lot of playmakers that can make plays. Um, I mean, I don't. I don't think we're lacking in any. Obviously, we have the whole offensive line back, so we have that. Um, we have a lot of a lot of guys at receiver that are capable of making plays. Um, ben is a great tight end, and then we have some some really good backs too. So I think we're capable of a lot. I don't know what I don't. It's it's hard to tell what that is right now, but I don't think we really have any weak points. Do you have any individual goals for yourself already? No, I wouldn't say any individual goals. Uh, team goals, obviously, we want to. Um, I wasn't a part of the Big Twelve Championship team, but we want to make it back to that Big Twelve Championship, and if we can, we want to shoot higher. Had a K State win you over? I would say. Just the trajectory of the program, honestly. Um, it's something that I saw. Uh, and then Will played a big part in that, too. Just a dynamic quarterback like that. I mean, what wide receiver wouldn't want to play, you know, for, you know, a quarterback like that. And Colin Klein, I trust his vision. And, you know, he knows what he's doing. And I think that was kind of the selling point for me. What's the biggest difference between this offense and what you're accustomed to at Iowa? I don't know. It's tough because I kind of don't want to get into comparing the two just because I kind of moved on and, you know, I'm focused on the future. But I, as I mentioned earlier, just the speed. We've, I think this spring we really emphasized the no huddle, um, going fast pace, you know, trying to put as many points up on the board as we can. So I think just conditioning just um, is the biggest thing. You know, as I, as I mentioned earlier, as a wide receiver, you're running a lot. Um, so... You know, running a play, coming back to the huddle and trying to run the next play as fast as we can is a new thing for me, um, the no huddle. So I think that was a little hurdle at first, but as I have more practices in, I've gotten more comfortable with that. I've heard a lot of people talk about Avery Johnson just being really fast when he mm-hmm. takes off and scrambles. Yeah. Are you seeing the same thing everybody else yeah. is? That's one thing that surprised me. Uh, I knew I knew who Avery was coming in, but obviously now I'm kind of more familiar with him. Um, knew he was a five-star big recruit, but, man, his speed is something that I noticed right away, even before spring ball, just when we do the conditioning. Uh, it doesn't look like a quarterback, honestly. Uh, so, But he, I think another great aspect of his game is you can tell he's confident. Like when he plays, he's confident. And um, obviously quarterback is much harder than a wide receiver because they have to know what everything – as a freshman, he has to know what everyone's doing. And for me, I kind of just need to know my job. So I think that make, that hurdle is even higher. So I think he's handled it very, very well, though. The Kinnick Wave, it's become like the most popular tradition in college football. I want to know if there's anything behind the scenes we should know about it. About Is it ingraining you guys about how important that is? And even during the game after the first quarter, does football completely shut down when that takes place? Yeah, um, you mentioned behind the scenes. I think not much behind the scenes. I think when you experience it, it's kind of self-explanatory how powerful it is. I mean, when you can have that many people, you know, just know at the end of the first quarter that we're going to turn and wave to you know it's it's powerful and um uh it's moving uh it's moving and it puts in perspective what 
my bat my day-to-day battles are compared to other people's battles and i'd like to think about that a lot it helps because those kids some some of those kids are fighting for their lives you know they don't know what their future is going to look like and compared to my problems my problems are little so i think um it really puts in perspective in um some of the other battles and challenges that other people are facing so go back to what he was saying about getting adjusted to k-state's offense isn't that a weird thought um, that there is an adjustment going from Iowa to K-State offensively? Uh, no, it's not a very weird thought at all that it would take adjustment. What a concept, right? For crying out loud. What offense at Iowa? Well, that, that, that's a, kind of another point. The, 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 uh, the no huddle stuff. Yes. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny, but that there is an adjustment there, making that change. But I have absolutely... I, Keegan Johnson is a very, is a smart kid. Uh, that's the second time we've interviewed him, just kind of one on one like that, and you get that vibe from him that he's going to learn quick. I, I have no worries whatsoever about that adjustment at all. Um, it, yes, of course, it's something that takes some time. I would imagine that, like this day and age, like you've seen it played enough on TV or whatever, and then just making that adjustment to a hurry up type of offense, just. The conditioning, obviously, you probably want to step it up a little bit. Just got to be more focused on what, you know, and moving quicker. Uh, it, to me, that I don't think that's the biggest adjustment in the world. Also, you also have a coaching staff that also went through the adjustment not too long ago. So they know how to adjust. They'll teach Keegan how to adjust mm-hmm. pretty quickly. All right, we'll finish up our one when we come back on the game. Royals have made an adjustment to last call and it's not a surprise that's next Travion this bet always gives me kind of a headache it's good is it it's not ACDC a little Uzi he performed at Wrestlemania just want to I did actually watch that after we talked about it I was like oh that's cool it wasn't the whole song though was it it's only like a minute and a half song. So. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Who does he think he is? The Beatles? Listen, a minute and a half is something else when you can loop it all. <laughs> well, th- I didn't think there was much singing to it. There, there wasn't a whole lot of substance. It's about a vibe, man. It's just, yeah, okay. It's production music. By the way, I, so I saw in K-Rock, a song has been added by the singer Hardy. Mm-hmm. And it's called Jack. Which I think it's in reference to Jack Daniels. But oh, isn't he a country singer? Yeah, like it's been in the top forty too. I've seen it. I haven't really listened to it. All wait, a, wait a minute. We're actually back to crossovers. A little bit, I guess. He's like, he's on the alternative I mean, rock charts, and then he's on the pop charts, and then the country charts. So it's all over the. place. I mean, Jelly Roll. We talked about. Yeah. I mean, I, so so we're back to the eighties now, where we're actually getting crossovers. Because this Hardy guy, he's like. He's like country rock, and then he's country rap, and then he's like seems like rock rap, and you're right. Genres have blurred lines once again. Anyway, all right, let's get to the Royals. We just got a couple of minutes before we head to our local news. Uh, this is not a surprise. Already, multiple teams have made this change. We talked about it briefly yesterday, uh, and that, that that as well. The Royals' last call no longer in the seventh inning. It's now going to be at the end of the eighth inning because. Games are going too quickly. Royals have the crappiest offense. Hey. And, uh, yeah, games are only lasting like two hours, 15 minutes anymore. That doesn't leave you a whole lot of time to catch a buzz. So for you booze bags out there, 
uh, you now have an extra inning to uh, get you a drink. And I'm talking like it goes to the end of the eighth inning. Once the eighth inning is has recorded its final out, it's like a legit last call. Last call fires off, and before you know it, they're kicking you out of the stadium. Pretty much, yes. Except that you're not going to hear people yelling last call. You just got to pay attention. Does closing closing time from Supersonic ramp up? Yeah, that might become the eighth inning song. Yeah, quite possibly. Because like for the Boston Red Sox, their eighth inning song is Sweet Caroline. Not seventh inning, it's eighth inning song. Correct. I still think it's most overrated, stinking. Oh, Sweet Caroline? Oh, yes. It has became very overrated because now everybody has inherited it. And it's not just baseball. As a matter, I don't hear Sweet Caroline too often at Toyton, but it seems like anywhere you go for a sporting event, it gets worked in somewhere. Yeah, because everybody I know. does the ba ba ba. Yeah, just it's also way overdone in karaoke. Not a fan of the song to begin with. Uh, that in uh, man, don't stop believing has uh, it's taken a toll on me. I, I no longer want to hear it. All right, hour two of the game. We're going to hear from Van Malone, presser highlights from earlier today. The Big 12 Mexico and a Big 12 concert tour becoming a thing. Plus, number one song, Ask Us Anything, all coming up in hour two. Next is your local news. And now Travion will hit the buttons.